Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Optive Theology Podcast. My name is Andy Schmidt. I'm here with St. Vincent de Piri. I thought that was funny when we were driving here. Well, actually, when we were flying here in the private jet that you flew us in uh, on the the one that you got for evangelism for your mega church in Kentucky. I told Andrea, I was like, we're going to see St. Vincent de Piri. And she thought that was really fun. I like that. On, on the plane. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, I'm here with Vince. Vince is actually has been on this podcast before we did uh, what is evangelism. And then we did uh, something about mega church. Our mega church is biblical. Yeah, that's right. People like that one. I think that's one of our might not be a top 10, but it's one of the ones people that's have cool. really liked. Love um, that. So it's just me and Vince and we, w- Andrea and I and, and Titus are going to Florida Decided to stop here in Kentucky. Um, visit. We, we, dro- we drove to visit Vince, and so we're at Vince's church here. Your um, old wizened friend. That's right, right. <laughs> the man, the the myth, the legend. Um, so, Vince, before we get into it, I, I think for people who don't know you, new listeners, whatever, who haven't heard you in the previous podcast, yeah. so you're a senior pastor at a church, but explain that. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Mm-hmm. Great to be back. I thought I had only been on once, but we remembered that I was actually on twice. Yeah. And we never did your testimony, which we should do. So in some my testimony, we should do that at some point. But uh, yeah, let's see. So, I mean, the short version is I grew up in the Chicago suburbs, mm-hmm. was kind of in and out of church as a young adult, really started walking with Jesus when I was 23. And a couple of years after that started seminary, went to Ted's. Mm-hmm. A lot of people know Ted's probably, especially in the high point world, because mm-hmm. Pastor Nick also went to Ted's and have been uh, in vocational ministry for 13 years and a lead pastor for three. And and you worked at high point for seven worked years? Worked at high Ten? point all of, just for four years. Four years? Oh, yep. Wow. Yep. I'm married to my wife, Joanna, yeah. and uh, we have no children. Yeah, but we're we're uh, praying for some kids, so yeah, nice. that's pretty much it. Nice, 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 cool. Yeah, so Vince, for backstory context, um, it's I don't know what, what do you say about somebody who like brought you into the faith? You say they brought you into the faith, right? It so Vince, in some me. way, brought me back into the faith back a long time ago, like five years ago, um, and that's an interesting story. But that's for a different time. What we're going to talk about today is the question that every young Christian asks themselves. And it's a big one. um, Very simple answer here. So we'll probably be done within the next 30 seconds. Right. But the the question is, should I be a pastor? I think everybody asks themselves, and I think, you know, we can talk a little bit more broadly about should I go into ministry? Um, But I think that that's, a bit of a different question than should I be a pastor? I mean, you can go into the ministry, you can be a worship leader, you could be a, you know, do evangelism or something like that. But being a pastor, especially in America has different, a different meaning. It, it has different responsibilities yep. and it's, it's certainly elevated whether we like it or not. I don't totally agree with that elevation, but whether we like it or not, it's elevated above the other uh, jobs within the church. And so yep, yep, that makes sense. So that's going to be the, 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 the main question of this podcast. And I think, um, I guess, I guess my first question, Vince, you've, you've been in ministry for 13 years. You've kind of been in different roles. You've been like a yep. worship pastor. You were a kidsman director. Yep. Now you're a senior pastor. Yep. Um, you've been around a lot of guys who have considered going in to becoming a pastor who started out strong, who didn't finish, who 
you know, got jobs elsewhere or, you know, you've seen people go in and out of this whole thing and I haven't seen any as much as you have. Um, but you know, I remember when you left high point to become a head pastor here yeah. and that just pissed me off back I then. I remember yeah. that. You were mad. <laughs> I was not happy about that. I think at the time you were on the, no one should be pastors train. Like it's not really a biblical role. And I, you were just I, like, I don't think anyone should be a pastor. I certainly didn't think you should become a pastor, but I, yeah. So, okay. I guess to get into the, to the brains of people who are thinking this way, I want to be yeah. a pastor. Yeah. Why, my first question would be, why do you think that's kind of the first question that people are asking right? when they become a Christian or within the first five years, it seems like that's the question. So why, yeah. why do you think that's the case? It does seem very common, doesn't it? Yeah. Everyone, they I mean, get... I, think about it like still i'm like oh should i become a pastor yeah you know yeah and you may you never know right you never know i feel like especially people that get saved like not later in life but like even high school or college are especially the ones who wrestle with that i think it's a little less common if you were like in a diehard christian yeah. from the womb or if you're become a christian while you're like uh you know you have a job like, or yeah, uh, yeah 40 or 50 job. or something. 40, right, right, yeah, right. Right. But if you get saved somewhere between 17 and 25, mm -hmm. it seems like most of the time you go, God, you want me to be a pastor? Do you want me to do ministry? Mm -hmm. And I don't know all the reasons why. I think um, some of them might be that a lot of times if you got saved at that age, there's a super influential pastor in your life. Mm. And the same way if you have a mentor in any field who makes a huge mm -hmm. impact on you, like if you have a teacher you love or a professor you love, you're like, maybe I should become a teacher. Maybe I should mm -hmm. become a professor. Mm -hmm. Whatever the person is doing who has had a really positive influence on you, I think that draws you. I think also sometimes, especially new Christians, there's seasons of worrying like, am I really in? Mm -hmm. Am I really saved? Mm -hmm. Especially in the early years. And it feels like, Maybe the ultimate validation. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I become a pastor, like right. I think pastors are in. So it's kind of like a stamp. Right. It feels like if I can if I can get to that role, it's like God's stamp of approval right. it's, on my life. That was always so annoying. That's like 18 to 24 year olds are asking, you know, the, the Armenian Armenianism, Calvinism question. Yeah. Am I really yeah. a Christian? And they're really trying to figure that out instead of being like, hey, like, should I watch porn tonight or something yeah. like they're trying to figure out if they're saved and they're like sinning in all of these ways. And it's like you could figure out you're saved by not sinning. Like, that's one of the ways that you could figure this out. That was always just seemed weirdly backwards to me. But I never thought about the point that you just made, which is really obvious that that people are influenced like they're they become a Christian and the person that brings them into the faith a lot of times is a pastor or somebody who's working in the ministry. So yes. they're like, Oh, this is just what you do. You become a Christian, you go into the ministry. This person was in influential for me and I want to be that way to other people. And yes. usually there's this like initial fire and that's probably some of the motivation that goes into yeah, this Yeah. I think for a lot of people. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. For sure. I'm sure there's other reasons as well, but I think those are some of, mm -hmm. some of the big ones. What was your what did you what was your motivation? Was that like similar when you? I'm trying to remember when I first like got back on the path. Mm -hmm. I did not want to do ministry. I did not think I could do ministry. I was just at the time, um, so emotionally fragile and broken and working through so much like baggage that I was like, I'm not someone who could ever do that. 
And I was more of like the mindset of like, there's got to be, um, I, I don't agree with this now, but there's got to be this like lightning bolt from heaven, mm. audible voice, you know, you should do ministry. And that didn't happen for me. So I just kind of assumed that it wasn't, uh, wasn't going to be yeah. what I was going to do. I don't, I, that's weird that you don't, the more that I've, I'm only what, 24. I, yep. so whatever, this might not mean anything to people, but if the more that I've like seen people go in and out of ministry and watched how the church works and operates, the more I've been like, no, you, people need to have a very clear call. <laughs> <You> should <laughs> be an audible no, voice. It needs to be an audible voice. <laughs> and you seem to go the opposite direction. Yeah. That's just interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. yeah. And for whatever, I, I do think there are a lot of people who get in for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Um, so an audible voice can help. But for me, I never had one uh, personally. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I thought was interesting that people listen to this podcast know Pastor Nick, he's on it all the time. Um, one thing that he said in the past, and maybe I'll botch this and he'll tell me that this is not what he said, whatever. I don't know. But, so I think I heard him say something about like, there, there's college ministries who people get saved and they will be like, you need to get into the ministry. And I think Nick mm. has said one time, like if I hear of one more like med school student or engineering student or something like that, switch their major after they get saved, he's like, you know, you're going to blow something up or, you yeah. know what I mean? Because, yeah. because there's a lot of, I do think there's a lot of pressure, especially in the college years in, in college ministries yep. for these people to, like, don't go to don't go to med school. No, you need to be in the ministry. Do you think there's any mer merit to that? And do you think that's good? Do you think that's bad? Do you think there's unnecessary pressure? I mean, what's yeah, that's a good question. I when we were planning on doing this, I thought, man, I should do some research. Or I don't even know if the research exists. I'm sure some of it does, but it feels to me like there is a strong trend away from pushing people to do ministry that might be very recent but i feel like in my memory there was this big shift where it was like okay we used to elevate people in ministry we used to say that was better mm -hmm. for the lord and it really isn't you should do whatever you're called to do and so we kind of tried to make it more level, less of a hierarchy, which I think there's yeah. good sides to that. Like, that was like the Keller th uh, thing, right? Uh, what's his Keller? Why Timothy Keller, he wrote a book about that or something. Maybe, yeah. Maybe but yeah, trying to say all work is spiritual. And I think yeah. there's a lot of truth to that. But I am seeing less and less young people feeling pressure to do ministry. I'm just one person. Maybe it depends on, you know, what college you're at, but... I feel like there's less and less pressure from churches, from campus ministries. And also there are fewer and fewer people going into ministry. Mm -hmm. Also yeah. seminaries are in many of them are like greatly struggling right. with just enrollment. We're losing pastors faster than we're gaining pastors. So I don't know. And then on top of that, the, um, I did actually look up statistics on this recently. I don't know off the top of my head, but like Americans trust in any kind of organizations yeah. is just so low. Mm -hmm. Have you heard that? Yeah. It it's not just the church. Me. Yeah. It's yeah, hospitals, the government, the, government yeah. the police. It's like all these organizations that used to be trusted yeah. are now like mm. 
way less than 50% of people trust them, including mm -hmm. the church. So now there's, it's somewhat stigmatized, I think, to become a pastor, yeah. especially outside the church, but even in the church, right. because even Christian people right. don't trust their pastors half the time, yeah. often for some good reasons. Right. So I've, I personally just subjectively feel like the pendulum has swung mm -hmm. fairly far from like, oh, everyone should be a pastor. That's better for the Lord. To now like, mm -hmm. it's all the same. Provide for your family. Don't do ministry unless there's an audible voice. Mm -hmm. And the uh, certain social pressure against it. Like I, when, even meeting Christians, when I tell them I'm a pastor, I feel so often just an immediate uh, barrier, mm -hmm. an immediate emotional barrier, They're an like, immediate you're gonna, distrust. You're going to hurt me or something. Yeah, yeah. an immediate yeah. like, are you shady? <laughs> so I'm sure there's college ministries that are exception to that, but I also feel like yeah. in some ways it's shifted a little bit. Yeah, the weird thing that I've noticed about the millennials is – that would be your generation, right? Yep. The millennials is that they did, they don't, they claim to not like the mega church, like the big pastor and everything built on the pastor. Yep. And yet their generation produced some of the biggest mega church pastors we've ever seen. Like yep. Mark Driscoll. Um, I mean, Andy Stanley was going to be big anyways, but there, I remember watching that, what was that? The elephant in the room on YouTube yep. that we talked a little bit yep. about. And they have all, it was like 10, 15 years ago. And you have all these like huge mega church pastors. And I like, I'm looking them up now. And it's like, a lot of those guys have, are not in the ministry anymore yep. for, for moral reasons. And I always, I, I, I don't, I mean, I think I have a theory as to why the millennials are that way. I think millennials say they talk a big talk, but then they don't actually follow through with it. And so they'll say, we don't want to worship a man. We want to like have like authentic Christianity. And then they go find a guy to prop up and then worship that guy. And then he falls and then they stop being Christians. And then they can't trust people like you who are shady, but you're not shady because you're a pastor. You're just shady because you're Vince. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Just in general. So you're just shady in general. No. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Okay. So, okay. So do you... So Would you push back on that? Do you feel go like ahead, still yeah, is, I don't care. Do you feel like there still is a lot of pressure to do ministry in the circles you're in on young Christians? Or do you see some of that shift? What also? I've seen, what I've seen for Gen Z that I've been around. Yep. I'm not gonna talk on the national level or anything like that, but I've seen the people who were all in on ministry and the college years who were all in on like college ministry stuff who were like, I I'm, I think I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Uh, either like aren't Christians anymore yep. or some of them are still doing ministry stuff. There's a couple of them, but generally speaking, they just burnt out of everything. Yeah. And so it, and, and so my, you know, I have a theory for that too. I don't necessarily think that it's because of the, I don't think it's because of the the ministry aspect of things. I think it has more to do with their expectations of what ministry was going to be on the basis of what they came into, which people on the podcast know that I don't really like the college ministry model because I think that it props the young person up way too high, way too early. You just became a Christian. You shouldn't be on stage giving talks and like leading worship. And I think you can grow in all, pride and all these different things. But th if that's the expectation what I've seen is people get out of that and then they go to work in a church and in a church, they're just like, you know, I don't know, like printing things out and like, right. you know, like they're just like trying to get volunteers and you know, that's like the worst yeah. thing to do. And so yeah. they, they're like, what they go from being the center of attention 
and like the main guy or the main girl or whatever. And then they go into the church to do ministry and they're like a secretary, a secretary, secretary. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody cares about them. And I think that a lot of the Gen Z's motivation for ministry is bred out of a certain narcissistic view of ministry rather than out of a pure heart for like Christ's sheep. Mm, And I think that those, I think that that's a very important thing that I've not heard anybody talk about that, especially with my generation and your generation that, that like what happens, like what, how has this experiment gone with propping these young people up on, on these college ministries and what has come about it? I haven't seen much good come of it, but you might be different. Does that make sense? I I think so. I think you're saying for Gen Z, what you've seen is maybe even less like, organizational pressure or pressure from their leaders, but maybe just more of an internal yeah. wanting to build a platform. Yeah. Cause it's just yeah. the social media generation. Everything's yeah. about getting followers and because, and, and we're very shallow generation. I mean, we we're like, and it's not necessarily our fault. We've been, we've grown up in this mess, but we, we want so badly to be important. And yeah. so when, when we feel important, we feel like our life is what it should be. But the bottom line is that, you know, for most of human history, people didn't become important until they were old because they had yeah. to build merit up through years and years of hard work. If and ever. If ever, right. Most yeah. people just weren't ever important. And the people that were, it was like, oh, you know, you're in your 50s or 60s and you own a big business or you're in government now. And we want the thing now. We want the yeah. gratification now. We want to be the senior pastor now. And I run into this constantly because I'm like, everywhere I go, every church that I go to, I'm always in my head, in the back of my head, thinking like, I could do this better. Mm. And that's sometimes might be true, but it doesn't mean that it's right. And be, like, it doesn't mean that or I should be right be for today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe in 20 years I could yep. do it better, but maybe not today. So I think, I think it's a larger cultural issue, but I, that's the reason why I was asking you that about the burnout, because I think it's an interesting thing that I don't think people are talking about. Like what's the, yeah. why, why do these people, people burning out? And is it because of the pressure? Is it because some sort of cultural influence or something like that? Man. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen, had you have like younger gen or gen Z or millennials on staff here at, the uh, bridge? yes, yes, we do. Yep. Have you seen anything like this? I don't the even burnout know. stuff, like the burnout or like, what have you seen with that? These two generations, as far as their call to ministry or yeah. desire for ministry. Yeah. This, this may or may not answer the question, but, Hopefully it will. I do think we might have even talked about this on a previous podcast, but like 50 years ago or something, the average age of a pastor was like 35. Yeah. Now, 50 years later, the average age is like 55. Really? Yeah. So pastors, wow. the the vocation, the role has aged a ton. Where now most pastors are mm-hmm. older and they're older in a time where the culture is changing the fastest. I know. So I think over compared to any other time in recent history, we have the biggest gap between lead pastors and their young staff. Mm. Does that make sense? And their congregation probably in a way. Um probably oftentimes but for for sure young staff. Yeah. yeah. If you're a, so if you're a boomer lead pastor you are operating a lot of times in paradigms from uh, an era that's past, yeah. especially when it comes to the emotional needs of like a Gen Z yeah. first ministry role. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I yeah. think that probably accounts for the biggest amount of 
Gen Z people starting a ministry than bailing. That's what we hear all the time. Yeah. Like I, I started the ministry and the culture was crazy or my boss was insane or they, you know, expected me to work 80 hours for no pay. And 50 years ago, there was probably more of that stuff because the, the being in ministry was such an elevated role and the economy was different. So you could be a lead pastor and kind of treat your young staff members however you wanted. Mm -hmm. That just doesn't fly anymore. So they get burned out. They walk away. They get church hurt. So I'm younger. So I'm a, maybe more aware of some of that stuff. Right. So we like at our church, we've really tried to double down on like this. The health of the staff is like 50, 60 percent of my job. You know what I mean? To invest in those young people. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm super old, but to get them counseling. Mm -hmm. Like we pay for everybody's counseling really? on the staff team when they need counseling. And probably nearly everybody on the team has been in counseling yeah. at one point or another. I'm meeting with each one of them. Is it biblical counseling? Like, is it Christian counseling? It's Christian counseling. Christian, yeah, Christian yeah, counseling. Yeah. Yeah. Christian clinical counseling is like what we're into. But mm -hmm. when I'm meeting with them, the first chunk the first half of the time is how are you doing how's your soul how's mm -hmm. your marriage and so i think in those kinds of environments i feel like i'm talking myself up right now i don't mean to do that but <laughs> and fine. this is all stuff i learned from people older and smarter than i am you know what i mean but i think in those kinds of environments burnout is way lower disillusionment is way lower mm -hmm. retention of young team members is is better if if that makes sense i no, think it has more I, to do it, with the church cultures they're stepping into than like just something wrong with gen z if that makes sense yeah i i can see that i i also think though i think about i think my initial thoughts you can tell yeah, me go. what you think about yeah. this is that uh and maybe we have a we might fundamentally disagree on the purpose of the pastorate or the purpose of the staff at a church yep and to, to me, the way that I think about a pastor, it obviously is like to tend to the sheep, to like to the flock, the, the congregation, and to make sure that the congregation is is well equipped and they know the gospel and they're being preached and like being fed and uh, their souls are being fed and things like that. And I think that um, the job of the staff would be like that Ephesians, the you know, the five ministries to equip, the equip the saints. Yep. So to me, it sounds like spending a bunch of time on people on staff could take away from the job of pastoring the people in the congregation and the people on staff. And I'm like, a people might think I'm like a, like a dick. Okay. But like th that, I would that just out, right? yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we, maybe. we've done it before, you know. <laughs> We're an edgy Christian podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, people, I think I'm a jerk. There we go. There's the right. There's the word I was looking for. Um, that like I would just get. I would just say to those people like you're not fit for ministry right now. You need to go get healthy spiritually, and then be ready to feed other people. Mm, to like staff members. Yeah, I'd fire them. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think there's... So who are you firing, Vince? Yeah, I think no, there's, there's for sure a line that if they're not at... A line's kind of a crass like way a to mo say Like a moral line. Uh, a for sure moral line. Right. For sure moral line. And I think there's a sort of emotional 
spiritual health line as well. Mm -hmm. But I also think ministry comes with the highest pressure. It, it does not bring the best out of you. It brings the absolute worst out of you. Mm -hmm. And if we put young people into ministry and then expect them to just thrive without emotional support, guidance, past pa their own pastoring, yeah, then totally. I think we're setting them up for, for failure. No, I agree with that. And I do think that if you're in the ministry, you, you need to be being discipled as well yeah. as discipling others. Yeah. I think that that's absolutely, that's like fundamental to the intergenerational aspect of the local church that you can't change that. Yeah. You, you can't get rid of that. That's part of being in the church. Even pastors need to be pastored and yes. or, or discipled too. So I agree with that. Um, yeah. One of the yeah. things we talk about on the team is like, if the team is healthy, emotionally, spiritually, the church is going to be healthy. Yeah. I agree. If the team is not healthy, mm -hmm. there is zero chance right. the church is going to be healthy. Which is a hard sell in low church evangelicalism because everything's bottom up. But I agree that I think that that church, the health of a church is top down. I think that. Yeah, it's inevitable. But, yeah. Right, right. It's interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's weird. I've been trying to figure out whether I'm like low church or high church yeah. for like a year. Yeah. And I think I'm high church, like through it, like Anglican high church, but not like Catholic where yep. they like make stuff up. But yep. the low church thing, it's tough to be like an evangelical pastor in like a low church because if you try to lead top down too hard, people will be like, think that you're trying to make them go against their convictions. Yeah. And that's probably really difficult. Have you run into that at all or no? Like, like people being like, uh, like if you lead too hard from the front or from the top, if you lead like too hardcore, like too, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Do people get weird about that? Because everything's about my personal convictions and stuff like that. Some, I mean, for sure. Yes. De mm -hmm. Depending on the different specifics of what that might look like, that for sure happens. Mm -hmm. um, there is also a certain, desire for people right now to have a leader who stands by their convictions yeah that's true so when yeah. you lead with very clear like this is what i believe yeah this is what we're doing it it does repel a certain kind of person who doesn't agree yeah. but for the people who do agree right. it is what they're desperate for yeah and they really gravitate yeah. to that that's good yeah that's interesting okay let's talk i mean then let's just figure this out because i don't know figure it out. well i don't know Come if we're on. gonna i don't know how much we're gonna agree on here but what 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 would you say i guess i have written down here what does it mean to be called to be a pastor but i, yeah. I don't how i guess you can try to answer that yeah. i didn't realize how weird that question is because no. it's hard to answer that it's like a go ahead though yeah what try. does it mean to be called to be a pastor are we gonna is this also trying to get into like how someone can kind of self-identify if it's them or not yet Sure. Whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> you can answer however you want. And I'll just roll off. Great, that. great, great. Yeah. I mean, I think in general, the meaning of being called to be a pastor means something along the lines of, you know, God has things he's wired us to do, mm -hmm. things he's planned for us to do. And I think they can be a spectrum across the board of things you can be called to. You can be called to be a missionary. You can be called to be... Um, an evangelist. You know, you can be called into be a various. Or something. Yeah, yeah, you can be called into various kinds of kingdom building ministry. Yeah, I right. think you can also, and I'm sure different people use different terminology, but I think you can also be called to 
kinds of work that are not directly about building the kingdom, mm. right? Called to be a lawyer, maybe, or called yeah. to be a doctor. Yeah. I also think, though, that if you are called to a certain sort of secular vocation, I also think every single Christian is wired and in some way called by God to do something directly connected with kingdom building. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. If so, you think about those fivefold gifts or you could huh. broaden it out to spiritual gifts, I can think of the body metaphors in the Bible. Yeah. It wasn't like some are pastors, some are teachers, some yeah. are lawyers. Right. Like the lists of gifts are yeah. spiritually kingdom building oriented. Yeah. So I do think yeah. God might call yeah, people to be a lawyer or a doctor, but I also think each one of us is called to do something mm -hmm. related to life on life ministry. Oh yeah. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah. 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 There's nothing to be equipped for yeah. if you're not doing something like that. Right. Yeah. And you can be a doctor for the glory of God and a plumber yeah. for the glory of God, but you also doctors and plumbers are called to do things. Right. I think to influence people's lives directly in like a yeah, relational mean, ministry. Matthew way. 28, 19 and 20 is very clear. Yeah. And that's not just to pastors. That's right. to everybody. Therefore, God make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and then teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. Yep. So you need to be like a bunch there. You need to be an evangelist. You need to like obey scripture yourself so that you know what to teach. You have yep. to like kind of be a teacher, evangelist. You have to be a little bit of a pastor there, which is why these ministries are called to equip the saints so that they can go out and do all yep. these different things. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So yeah, so I would say being called to be a pastor is just somebody who on that, you know, option list of different sort of ministry things you can be called to, mm -hmm. you're called to be a quote unquote pastor. Yeah. No, that I makes mean, sense. Yeah. I, I would generally agree with that. Yeah, I think, right I, I th yeah, the, the, it's just, uh, yeah, what does it mean to be? Because I, I also wrote down, this seems a little bit ambiguous, but how can somebody tell the difference between, and I think this is what, what I'm trying to get at even deeper, is how can somebody tell the difference between being called to the ministry yep. compared to a desire to be in control or be in charge or to call the shots? I mean, those yes. are two different things. And that's been like an ongoing, for me personally, that's kind of like an ongoing battle. It's like, even in, even in, this podcast or even in things I do related to Christianity, I'm constantly having to ask myself the question of, okay, are you doing this because you feel like called by the Holy spirit to do this yeah. thing for the glory of God? Or are you doing this because you want to just be in charge? Or, right. You know, yes. and those two things can, some, it can be a Venn diagram sometimes. Like those yes. two things can cross over. <laughs> right. Like Very some, much. right. Some people will be like, well, you should never do anything to try to be in charge. And that's, ridiculous yeah. you have to take right. charge sometimes you have to have some leadership capability. Yeah. you should never do anything unless you have perfectly yeah. pure intentions yeah exactly and no one's gonna ever do anything right. with perfectly pure intentions yeah it's that's yeah. just a bad understanding of like, right. sin. yeah yes so what do you think about but yeah that? that and this is maybe getting more into that self-identifying mm -hmm. is this just something that sounds cool yeah is it something that sounds desirable <gasps> or is this something i'm really called to I want to say a couple things on this. First, I want to say I do think there are some people that are called that don't yet desire it. Yeah. So I think it's not just is this sense of calling right or wrong, but I mm -hmm. think it's going to the Lord and saying, I don't necessarily have a huge desire for this, but is this something you're calling mm -hmm. me to? Because that story happens also. Those are the best ones, in my opinion. Sometimes, sometimes where it's kind of reluctant, right? I mean, Paul would have been that. 
in scripture. Uh, if you go back to like the conversion moment yeah, in a big way, I mean. right? Yeah, yeah that's what I mean. He would only be one to believe in Jesus. Right. Even, I mean, most of the disciples in that, in yeah. that sense. Yeah. Yeah. If, but for let's focus for the moment on the people who feel the desire. Mm-hmm. I think I want to be a pastor. Is this from God or not? Mm-hmm. Couple of questions, a few questions. I actually wrote some of these down. Yeah. That you can ask yourself. Yeah. Yeah. These are good. not worded perfectly. But I think one question to ask yourself is, are you a man? Are you a man? <laughs> and are you going to man up and just do it? Well, that's the, I, I said that because I don't think we agree on that. Oh, I got you saying like, man versus a woman. Yeah. Being a pastor. Yeah. 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 Let's save that for another podcast. Yeah. But, <laughs> Vince and I have two different lists. For, <laughs> two different lists. Yeah. But no, I think here's, here's some questions that may or may not be helpful, but I think they're potentially good mm-hmm. for people to think through. One is when you picture being a pastor, there is going to be clear, like, fruit you're hoping and praying for. Mm-hmm. Whether it's people getting saved, people getting discipled, people getting mature, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's good. You have this fruit goal, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But then the question to ask yourself is what are the other good things you assume will come along with it? For example, all this fruit's going to happen, and you might not even say this is any part of the motivation, but you kind of assume you're going to feel liked by your congregation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You're going to feel respected by your peers, mm-hmm. or you're going to get a book deal, mm-hmm. or you're going to have a nice big house mm-hmm. at a certain point, mm-hmm. or you're going to feel closer to God, or whatever it is. There's the fruit mission win goal right and then there's these other things you assume are going to come along with it these other good things that like are you saying they're good good or self-perceived good either way okay some of them are probably fine or good sure or just whatever okay but the question to ask yourself is if all i had was the mission wins and all of these other side things were the opposite would I still want to do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good. That's that what I was trying sense? to wonder. I was wondering what. Where yes, you're going with that. to say okay, what if I what if I were to do ministry and and mm-hmm. all my mission, hope, kingdom building things came to pass? People got saved. People got mature. They got solid in their faith. Mm-hmm. Those things happened, but I did not feel liked. Mm-hmm. I felt way more criticized than liked. Mm-hmm. I felt way more disrespected than respected. Mm-hmm. I felt way more um, burdened mm-hmm. than lifted up. We had no money, you know. I had no money. money. Yeah. I got no book deal. Right. Whatever it is, if all those other non-mission things didn't happen, would I still want to do it? Mm-hmm. And I think the reason to ask that question is because most of the lead pastors I know, that's how they feel. That there's some amount of being liked and respected, but there is so much of the other side of all those things mm-hmm. that it doesn't feel like a net win yeah it doesn't feel like wow though there are people who will put you on a pedestal it doesn't feel like wow i finally feel validated i finally feel respected i finally feel like everybody loves me i don't think any pastor yeah feels those things and i think a lot of people when they're thinking about ministry they do want the good things but part of what's in there is assuming you're going to feel all these other good things there's going to be other Mm -hmm. side benefits and some of those things are real but the cost if you lead well the cost 
do, like the cost is uh, yeah. outweighs the benefits. Yeah, being being on a pedestal is isolating often. Yeah, so yeah. That's I mean, most of the pastors I know, at least from talking to them, it it seems to me like they feel isolated most of the time. hundred percent. No, no matter how 100%. much their congregation loves them. Yeah. One of the guys or that hates I, them or hates there's, them. Right. There's right. A, there's right. always a ton of both. Yeah. At every level, no matter how long you've been there, there's a ton of people who love you. There's a ton of people who hate you, mm-hmm. and it's just how it goes. Yeah, and does that an, make sense? Yes. Well, the, one of the, the guys that I always that I think of as I have several times thought about, okay, should I go into ministry or not? Is uh, my wife and I? So <laughs> we got this book at our wedding called "Marriage to a Difficult Man." Well, mm. Andrea got this book at our wedding <laughs> called "Marriage to a Difficult Man," and it's and it's a, it's a book about Sarah Edwards. And that's Jonathan Edwards' yeah, wife yeah. and their relationship. Jonathan Edwards was a, so yeah, backhanded compliment in a way, you know, <laughs> me, me and Jonathan Edwards have a lot in common, right? So. Did Sarah Edwards write it? No, some it's lady wrote it about okay, Sarah Edwards. Okay. Yeah, but it's really interesting. So Andrea read it. And one of the interesting things I didn't even know, because Jonathan Edwards, for a lot of especially Reformed Christians, this is a household name. I mean, Jonathan Edwards is known as one of the, smartest theologians in American yeah. history. He's a, he's yeah. a brilliant guy and he was kicked out of his church mm. and people in his church never liked him. I mean, she, right. she, this lady had quoted in this, in this book, like, uh, you know, excerpts from people's journals and stuff like that at that time period who went to his church and they were just like, they did not like him. They, th- his sermons went over their head. There's nothing good about him. And when, when they got kicked out of the church, they went to this kind of like, rural area where they're evangelizing to natives and just like his, the ministry did not go the way that he thought it was going to go. And then he finally got his big breakthrough. He was going to be the president of Princeton university and he died and that was it. That's his ministry. And then he dies and that's that. And no, and you know, they say he was part of the, the great awakening. I was at the first or the second great awakening. One of the great awakenings. They say that he was a, a big driving force in that, but it was like, in a way, he was, but he wasn't as popular as Whitfield or yep. Wesley. He was not really well known until after he died, yep. and that's when the ministry really took his ministry really took off. And now people are still reading his stuff to this day. Yep. But I th- I think about that because I'm like, it, would I be okay if I had that life? Would I be okay yeah. if I had the life of a pastor whose own congregation doesn't like him and never ever sees the fruit of his work in in his life? He dies and. Yeah, he produced more fruit than probably most pastors yeah. will because for through 200 years that people are reading and influenced by his works. Yeah. But would I be okay with that ministry? I don't I don't know the answer to that, but that's always that's kind of made me think of that. Yeah, 100%. And that that's maybe even an extreme example to say yeah, totally. not even fruit in your life. I think on some level if you become a pastor and there's not even a lot of kingdom fruit, yeah. then maybe that's a little bit of a red flag sometimes, <laughs> yeah. right? Right, right? But I'm saying if there's kingdom fruit but there's no other sort of personal gratification that comes out of it. Would you still want to do it? And I think if the answer is yes, that's a good, that's a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I had some other random ones, but yeah, right. The, we're right, going to go to the next one. No, explain your stuff. Yeah. A couple, a couple other yeah. things to ask yourself. Um, and I'll try to go th- through these a little quicker, but one is, have you ever done the work that you would be doing? if you became a pastor. And if you ask yourself this question, I think it's also important to know that the work, the kind of work you do 
uh, differs radically depending on the size of the church, right? So in a church of 100 people, you're going to be preaching, but you're going to be doing a lot of um, visitation, a lot of spending time with people, hospital visits, home visits, just being with the people of the church yeah. and, and being their spiritual and emotional support, right? At a larger church, you're going to be doing a ton of strategy, staff development, um, hard conversations, you know, that sort of thing. So one is to think through which of those do I maybe feel gravitated, gravitating toward. Yeah. But then also, have you ever done either of those things? Those things. Also, which one do you think is right? I mean, because I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying that like for some people. But yeah. even before you get to the right, let's assume for the moment there's space for both. If you feel drawn to be the guy who is, you know, you've got your family of 100, 150, 200 people, and it's so tight knit and loving each other, and you are going to be the person walking through the trials and temptations of these people's lives, have you done that kind of ministry before? I think it is so strategic to just start doing that kind of ministry in a church context that already exists and go, do I come alive doing this? Do I enjoy doing this? Go to a hospital visit or lead a small group of high school guys and be that pastor person for them. Or for the larger church, have you led a team? Have you recruited a team? Have you built a team to just do some of the stuff that you feel called to? Right. Well, just try it out right. before you go to seminary. And you would say that like that's that happens on both levels. Just the deg degree to which it happens is it it's varies on smaller the, large church. Yeah, like you're going to be doing those things if you have a church of 500 or if you have a church of 100. That, doing which uh, things? Uh, both of those things. But you're those just gonna sets. yeah, like maybe at a church of 500, you're going to be doing 80 20. Yeah, strategic yeah, yes. stuff. 100%. Yeah, it's interesting. I know that if my dad's listening to this right now, he's going to be like. Andy needs to ask, you need to push Vince on this because, yeah. and, and I, 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 I generally agree. I do. Are you using the term ministry? How are you using that term right now? Like how, how do you define why, why are you, why do you think that I'm trying to practice not being a jerk as I ask, like I'm trying to practice <laughs> not, not pushing too hard, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out, are you define? uh, why are you, you, why do you put within the definition of ministry strategy and like team building. Yeah. I would not do that. I yeah. would not put that in, in the definition of ministry. I would put that in the definition of leadership. Yep. And I think that it's, I, and I'm not trying to be nitpicky, but no, I think no, it's no, important good. to like d make a distinction because leadership is obviously important, but that ministry to me feel, feels like it is totally people focused. Yeah. That's uh, good. That's uh, good. Congregate. And, and more specifically, uh, sheep focus, yep. uh, your congregation focus. Yep. Yeah. So it's a great question. You, and you asked it totally great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> totally great. If you answer it wrong, <laughs> yeah. things might change. No. Well, yeah, then, <laughs> no, then the, the fire yeah, will come yeah, out. I do actually think that the biblical um, word pastor mm -hmm. really does mean quote unquote sheep focused, mm -hmm. life on life, shepherd, shepherd, shepherd of yeah. people's souls trials, <clears throat> tragedies, temptations, you're walking through these things with people. So I think technically, this sounds very creepy, but technically I think the leader of a large church is not really a pastor mm. by any definition of the word most of the time. Mm. 
Now, you might say, well, then they shouldn't be called a pastor, and I'd be fine with not calling them a pastor. You might say, well, the person at the top of the org should be a pastor, and that might be a fair thing as well. Um, or you might say organizations, churches shouldn't get that big if the person at the top isn't, you know, functioning 100% of that pastor role. However, I do think... There's all legitimate arguments for those things. Legitimate too. arguments for all those things. The way I kind of think about it is Paul... Timothy, elders. Like when Paul writes to Timothy, mm -hmm. he's building him up, training him, mm -hmm. equipping him. But he's not even equipping Timothy to pastor people directly, although I'm sure Timothy did some of that. Sure, right. But one of the main things he talks about is teaching Timothy how to build a leadership structure mm -hmm. of elders mm -hmm. in this sort of network of yeah. churches. This is the the apostolic gift and i'm yes. using that not in the people who can write scripture <laughs> i'm right exactly. i'm using this in the yes yeah the way that tom flaherty ex explained this who has been on this podcast before pastor madison uh at city church yeah kind of was like hey the the apostle is you know like a church planter who can kind of just play all the roles he can the yep. they can teach they can pastor they can uh, evangelize. They can kind of do all these things because yep. they have to, but they don't do it forever. They're there to set the thing up. They can kind of play a bunch of different roles, but the goal is to get other people to play that role. So, so you're saying like Timothy kind of plays that that apostolic role um, in a way, or no, 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 you're you're not saying that. Not exactly. And they're like Tom knows what he's talking about way more than I do. But one of the things I remember about the word apostle is that it um, was actually a Roman word. Mm -hmm. It was a Greek word for a Roman role of some, a Roman government official who was stationed in a region to make sure Roman culture was upheld. Oh, really? In that area. So oh. I do think apostolic could mean going, you know, church planning and that sort of thing. That's interesting. I've never heard that. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. That, yeah. Wow. When okay. I think apostle, I think Paul mm. building mm. church structure and culture and culture. Yeah, that's interesting. He's 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 saying. Timothy is my leader, but actually I'm not just going to make Timothy a leader. I'm going to make Timothy a leader of leaders. Yeah. So Timothy can build an elder structure yeah. and the elders will pass. Those elders were functioning in a pastoral way. Mm -hmm. So to me, the biblical term for the leader of a large group of Christians would be an apostle. Mm -hmm. It sounds so creepy. Nobody calls them that. Right. 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 <laughs> but to me, if you're a pastor of a church of 500 to, to yeah. 50,000, you are not the biblical the best biblical word for you is not pastor right it's apostle but i also think having a hierarchy of leadership yeah and building structure building ministry mm -hmm. systems is a very biblical concept mm -hmm. because we also see them doing that in the book of acts yeah the one of the words that might be used for that historically was bishop right the bishops bishops and arch archbishops which was attractive yeah. to me about like Anglicanism that I've talked about on this podcast before is that there is some something to uh, that I think is a deficiency within low church evangelical you know standalone churches that aren't kind of they're non denominational churches that the uh, the not authority uh, accountability structure only yep. is as high as the eldership or, yep. or, or oftentimes even the, the head pastor because they're in the elder board for yep. the longest period of time and have the most influence. 
Whereas in an Anglican church or even a Catholic church or these higher structures, Presbyterian too, yep. you have a problem within your local church that can't be solved internally. Well, now you do have a resource to go to externally that holds the same general values and principles and theological doctrine that can come in, that can have an outsider perspective and be like, hey, we got to fix some things here. Yep. That that can't happen at a low church, non-denominational church in the same way, in the sense that if yep. you had a problem at your church and and it was like unsolvable here. Right. And you wanted to go get somebody from the outside. There's no outside. Yeah, yeah. You might you yeah. can you can bring some people in, but you, they might not have the like exact theological you know perspective that you ha- there could. There's all these var- variations that they might have as far as structure, leadership, theology, church, you know, everything like that. And so it makes it. It's interesting that you said the pastor that that the people who are called pastors who are pastors these five six hundred to 5,000 churches, they're not technically pastors. What they are is, is, is apostles or bishops apo- or something like that. That's how I like think that. about like an apostolic yeah. gift, hundred percent, which I think is also biblical, huh. but yeah, I also understand the frustration of going, well, they're not really a pastor. Yeah. They're not really a pastor, hmm. but they're at that higher level of leadership, building ministry mm-hmm. and keeping the whole thing uh, healthy. Do you think that would make people mad that you just said that? Like, do you think, that that will ruffle feathers uh, like using the word apostle no telling people who are pa- who think that they're pastors you're not actually a pastor oh. you're you're like you're not there's no biblical category for what you are but you are something important don't get me wrong yeah and i would say there maybe is a biblical category you th- what apostle the, the ap- okay. apostolic thing yeah oh so you would literally call these people apostles i don't like using that word because it's so, been so it's been you know, this is breaking news <laughs> vince thinks he's an apostle like, <laughs> that joke is exactly why i don't yeah. like doing it you know what i mean yeah yeah but yeah i think the the in terms of biblical gifts and biblical offices mm. the leader of a large church is you is in an apostolic function i think most pastors of large churches they might change the terminology mm but they would agree with that framework mm-hmm. or at least how it gets worked out, like on a practical level. That so, stuff's yeah. really helpful. That's, that was very clarifying. Cause that's really helpful for me. Good. The thing that I have a really hard time with in churches is, is a lack of clarity as far as authority, authority, uh, yep. authority within the church. Yep. So somebody who tells me like that they're, that they're a pastor, but they don't do the things that the Bible says a pastor should do. Right. And I'm like, you're delusional or a liar. Yeah, like I, you're right. not a pastor. Right. So there's something wrong with you, which it would be really helpful if churches were just like, Hey, we're going to just have this be called apostle. That's just what we're going to call it. This is apostle yeah. Vince. And, right. and I know <laughs> that that sounds creepy. weird and people will be like apostle Vince. That just seems like, like, arrogant maybe yes. or just creepy because but think of the 12 apostles exactly right and maybe we don't need to use that word specifically but it would be really helpful to have some other category Term. because yeah. i do think that that gets convoluted and can be used for abuse yeah and i think that yeah. happens all the time abuse and also just unfair expectations all around yeah, like exactly. you show up at a church and you're like you can't meet with your pastor mm-hmm. you're like well why Right. He's supposed to be my pastor. Right. No, he's too busy. He's right. he's got a conference this week right. and it's like what a scumbag. Right. <laughs> like, this guy thinks he's too good for us. Right. And but that's what you, it feels like. Right. Sometimes. But if you showed up in in Corinth and you were like, I need to yeah. talk to Paul. Right. They'd be like, Well, you can't talk like, to he's Paul. Not here. He's not here. He's yeah. do, he's leading oh, a whole wow. region. Yeah. So yeah, I've oh. I have seen some churches where they call my role senior leader, mm-hmm. which 
again, still sounds a little creepy, but at least <laughs> it maybe helps people have a proper expectation yeah. of what the person is, is doing. Yeah, it sounds like a cult leader in a way. Yeah. Like, like I'm, yeah. I'm Vince. I'm maybe the, worse than Apostle. I'm the senior leader here. <laughs> so I, love I being, said, what do you yeah. do? I said vision and I tell people what to do. <laughs> I like to call myself lead pastor rather than senior pastor yeah. just because I'm like the least senior. Yeah. Uh, you're getting gray hairs. Though. I am getting gray hairs. So, yeah. I can only play the young person card so much longer anyways. Yeah, it's true. You do seem older now that I haven't seen you in a couple of years. Yeah. You just, just seem old. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Let's move to that. <laughs> seem old. Yeah. Did you have any other in that list? Any other I ones? had a few more. Should I we... wanted, let's just go through all those. Okay, yeah, great. we don't have a time limit. I mean, okay, maybe great. we do. Uh, it's 4.30. No, wait. What time is it this time? 5.38 this time? Yeah. We are eating pizza at some point. We're eating but, pizza at some point, but yeah. But I want to go through these because I think these are, what's important is for people asking themselves, should I be a pastor? And right. if these are questions that they got to ask themselves, right. or, or just kind of a filter, that that's important. So. Yeah. Okay, great. We'll keep cruising. Yeah, so first one, first sort of question to ask yourself is, would I want to do it if it, mm-hmm. if it didn't come with some of the validation and mm-hmm. perks that I'm mm-hmm. assuming come with it? Mm-hmm. Because most pastors don't really feel like those perks are very real. Uh, second one is, have you ever actually done the work you would want to do in whatever kind of pastor role you're picturing? Mm. However you want to define it, however you want to imagine it, have you ever done that kind of work? I would recommend people start to do some of that work before they step mm-hmm. into it. Um, another question is, how aware of and what steps have you taken to work through the pain uh, and trauma of your life? Hmm. Most lead pastors I know myself included have experienced deep wounding Mm -hmm. usually in their childhood. Mm -hmm. And it is generally those childhood wounds, that pain, that sort of personal connection with the brokenness of the world Mm -hmm that drives you to want to make a difference. Yeah, I mean, last time I was here in Kentucky, I don't know if you remember this. You, you told me, and I agree with this, that um, I don't know if this is the exact quote, but something you said to me like, the people who make the greatest impact on the kingdom of God are often the people who have the greatest traumas in their yeah. past. Like that's, yes. you're just, that's generally true. And I, I think I agree with that. And I think that it's a, that's the interesting kind of paradox of church leadership is that you can make a really big impact on people if you've gone through more crap because you can identify with them and you yes. can kind of walk along through it with them. Whereas sometimes people who haven't been through as much in life, it's not worse. It's just hard to connect with people. And to, if you actually want to, it's intimidating to walk through something that you don't get. Yeah. You know, I've, you know, I've never, um, you know, I've never wanted to commit suicide. So it's hard for me to walk through that with somebody, but somebody who has wanted to commit suicide might be like really good to, to walk through that with somebody. And that's just, that's just life circumstances in certain ways, but yeah. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah, I think people that haven't gone through trauma rarely, rarely feel a desire to be a lead pastor. Yeah. I think it's generally the people that have been through some hard things. Mm-hmm. That's what drives them. Interestingly, though, like if if you had asked me when I was starting seminary, have you have have you been through yeah. some trauma? Yeah. I would have said, not really. Right. Yeah. I would have said, not really. My life's been pretty normal, pretty yeah. good. 
Now it's only at mm -hmm. 37 that I could look back and go, you know, I grew up in a neighborhood with gang violence. Really? There's trauma right there. There was there was physical and sexual abuse wow. in in the immediate vicinity mm -hmm. growing up. Mm -hmm. There was um, some spiritual trauma in some very kind of cult-like churches we were a part of. Mm. But I was not And even... you were a crip. <laughs> and I was a crip, right. <laughs> But that is as, as yeah. People, I it, was not too. I was not aware mm -hmm. of that being mm -hmm. something that was driving me, yeah. even when I started seminary. Right. And I think there are a lot of pastors and and people pursuing ministry that, through a desire to not go to some of those places emotionally, mm -hmm. maybe to protect certain people in their life that they don't want to admit hurt them in certain ways, mm -hmm. that they are totally out of touch with the pain that they've been through. Yeah. And it's the very pain that's driving them to do ministry. Yeah, And wow. it actually is the very pain that God is going to use to empower their ministry because mm -hmm. as they heal through it and from it, they can make a bigger impact mm -hmm. and they mm -hmm. can feel that deep levels of empathy. Mm -hmm. But if they're not aware and they're not aware of their need to deal with it, mm -hmm. that's to me the biggest thing that leads to the falls yeah does that make sense yeah i mean that makes a lot of sense i mean the the people that i know that have the biggest problems are the people who you'll ask them what their childhood was like and they're like yeah it was just normal like that that's generally not if you tell me your childhood was normal i just think you're a liar like <laughs> or you just don't know you're out of totally out of touch totally out with, of touch. With, with what it was actually like because nobody has a normal childhood people have been sinned against now there's varying degrees of yep. how bad you've been sinned against or you've sinned in your childhood there's varying yep. degrees but nobody's just got a normal childhood i mean yeah. we live in a sinful world yeah there's problems everywhere yes and if you are the kind of person who's like you know what i want to do i want to go up on a stage and tell people what god says you've got trauma <laughs> Like, you've got right you, there's something driving i'm not you, saying there's not a calling there is a yeah. calling likely with it but people that have stable home lives right. very rarely are drawn to something that it's one of two on things. the fringes you have trauma or you don't know what god says because <laughs> that, i mean and i think that's a big well, thing though. they might also have, even the ones that aren't called and it's driven by narcissism yeah. and ego is likely related to some kind of pain yeah no well. i agree with that I, I also think it could be it could be related to a false gospel too though that like yeah the gospel yeah. of god jesus loves you without anything else that i think is a, a type of false gospel that you know yeah. a gospel without sin and hell it's like of course i mean yeah i would be open to like preaching that every sunday jesus yeah. loves you no matter what and you can do whatever you want like that's yeah. easy um but if you know what god says and you still really want to go out and preach that in front of people. Yeah. I think that you've got to work through some stuff. Yeah. There's and not some, that that's not yeah. a good desire, but it's just, no, it's a, it's a oftentimes a totally God given desire. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you think about David, hmm. the youngest of his family, yeah. his whole family looks down on him. He shows up to battle and says, can I help? Yeah. And they're like, no, right. Get out of here. Then he has this first victory. Yeah. Before he knows it, his father-in-law is trying to kill him. Yeah. He's running for his life. Yeah. He's hiding in caves. He's leading all these really, uh, it says, um, you know, they're um, like basically down on their luck. Yeah. Army yeah. guys. Yeah. Or military guys. Yeah. Um, he has a big moral failure. God takes away his son. I mean, he's a guy who just went through so much yeah. 
pain and he was still a man after God's own heart. Mm -hmm. And I can only imagine that God used all that pain as, as part of his leadership. And you would think same thing's true for Moses, mm -hmm. right? Ripped out of his family, mm -hmm. given back to his family to be raised Murdered. and taken back yeah. out of his family, mm -hmm. you know, into the temple world. Yeah. You think of Paul. Well, you know, his like he murdered somebody and then he has to murdered go back and somebody. lead these, the people yes. out. Right. Yes. So many of the people that God uses are people that went through incredibly mm -hmm. painful experiences, yeah. whether sin done to them or sin they've done, which would be like yeah. a Paul, right? So I think yeah. the fact that you went through hard stuff and want to do ministry is not a bad no, sign. Yeah. It's like oftentimes God's way. Right. But if you don't deal yeah. with it, and if you're not tuned yeah. into it, it can lead to some No, there's some this dark quote places. that goes right along with this I wrote down. It, I, I'm reading... I read a, a J.I. Packer book called uh, A Quest for Godliness mm. about the Puritans. And just He just, you know, a really good book. And mm. we read it in a book club. And one of my, no, wait, sorry. This is, I read that book. This is another book that he's yep. that he wrote that I am reading right now called Keeping in Step with the Spirit. Mm. And there's a quote that Packer quotes uh, Robert Murray, who's a, a Scottish minister. And his quote is, my greatest, or my people's greatest need is my personal holiness. Mm. And that's kind of like, it seems like it connects with what you're saying because yeah. you, like, no matter where you're starting in your problems, your sin, or what you've been sinned against, or what you've sinned, if you're going to become a pastor, generally speaking, you're, the people that you're trying to lead are only going to be as good as, as where you're mm. at in your sanctification or in your holiness yeah. or purity. And if you're not like pursuing, like really trying to pursue that, and get yeah. that crap dealt with. Yeah. Then you're gonna just be stagnant and yeah. you'll probably plateau and then probably fall off. Yeah. Because you gotta be you have to be ruthless in your own pursuit if you want people to even try at your church. I mean, there's yeah. gotta be there's gotta be leading through actually doing the thing. Yeah. That's, there's follow my example. Follow my example. As I follow the uh, example imitate, of Christ, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. So you have yeah. other ones written still? I think that was the bulk of it. I mean, just some really practical ones. Does your spouse right, right okay right. to be to be the spouse of a pastor? Yeah. Um, have you like I mean, I think it's just really helpful to even Google how much money pastors make mm -hmm. just so you can prepare yourself. Mm -hmm. I think some people might be surprised on either end of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah, but just rather than figuring that out like when you get your first job, mm -hmm. being like, oh wow, this is not what I expected, just do a little research right. and go, and okay, don't this... look up the pastor. That's like at the biggest church, like, you know, <laughs> right. because the chances that you're going to have the capacity to run a church from 500 to 1500 people is very low. I mean, yeah, not many people have that. And, yep. and those churches, those pastors make decent salaries, you yep. know? And so I don't know. A lot of people think that that's going to be them, but then they get through seminary and then they get out and they're like, here's a church of 75. You're right. And then you're going to make $45,000. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think yeah. those are the main ones. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the main, I think, good some good questions to ask yourself. Yeah, that's good. I, I think there's also one, I mean, this is an important one that I think needs to be talked about because if, you know, somebody's asking themselves, okay, should I be a pastor? Okay, they go through those questions and they're like, yeah, I, I think I should do this. Now, they, they kind of go into the ministry there is there is this, and we talked about the the isolation that pastors face, and that yeah. there's so much confusion, and it's not just pastors. We're talking about pastors, but this is anybody who's in any sort of important leadership role, whether you're leading a business or you know, or you're, um, 
I don't know, directing a movie or whatever you're doing, whenever yep. you're the guy at the top, yep. it's really, really hard to gauge where you're at personally in your character yeah. and your holiness. And yes. especially as, you know, as Christians, that's what we're trying to be getting a gauge on, not just as head pastors, but as people. And But as head pastors, it can be really difficult because you, like you said, you can have a congregation full of people who think you're terrible or you can have a congregation full of people who will kiss your ass the whole time. Yep. And how, how do you make a, how can you put a gauge on where you're at in your personal holiness and godliness when you either got people who tell you you suck constantly right. and you're like, Oh, well this must mean God thinks I'm an idiot. Or you have people who are like constantly trying to get in your good graces by telling you all the great things about you and how amazing yep. you are. That can, you know, I've seen that one more than I've seen the other one. Yep. And, and so, is, yeah, I think there's usually I, if you're suck, yeah. if your people are telling you that you suck, people just leave those churches. Right. right? Yes. So I when you got a 90, 10 rule, you're 90, yeah. if you stick around somewhere long enough, 90% could really like you. 10%, 10% will have an issue. Yeah. So how do you, how do you gauge that? How, as how a, do you, you know, self evaluate your own? Yeah. Godliness. Or how do you put people around you that can do that? Who you can trust, you yeah. know, without, because the bottom line here is a lot of people leave the ministry. I'm just making this up. I think this is true. I think a lot of people leave the ministry because of church politics because of the way that that people like any hierarchy there's always going to be corrupt people within the hierarchy who are trying to um trying to work their way to the top for the wrong motivations mm. and with the wrong motivations trying to get around the people who have the most influence and the head pastor's got the most influence you can get around that person you can have other influences and you can mm. be more powerful or have more control or make more money i don't know whatever yeah. it is that's yeah. just how these organizations are in general so as a head pastor you're at the top of that and you got to make sure that you can be holy yourself yeah man that just seems like impossible yeah yeah, I would actually say that when you are the leader of a spiritual organization, a church, and everybody's looking to you as the leader, I actually don't think it's possible to see yourself clearly. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah that's, I don't yeah. think it is because there's yeah. just too strong, there's too many and too strong of voices, mm -hmm. and there's so much pressure. Yeah. Because, because the reality is that, like, when pastors fall and fail, it is actually very bad for people's souls. Yeah. So it's, it, the pastor feels that. Mm -hmm. And so it makes it incredibly, uh, I mean, maybe truly impossible to not look at your own sin mm -hmm. and say, I'm ruining everything or, or no. no, I mean oh. to look at your sin and say, this isn't good, but it is better to keep this a secret or it's oh. better for me to be in leadership despite this sin, because if I walk or mm -hmm. if I fall, everything falls apart. Mm -hmm. You can justify and tr believe it with all your heart that your junk isn't that big of a deal if everything is going to fall apart right. for you to admit it. Right. But that is a lie because well, you're it's it, kind of a lie, but it's also kind of true that things do fall apart when pastors fall, they, they when fall they fail. apart, but they, I, I think that's okay. Tell me if you agree with me on this. Yeah, go ahead. 
I think that that's part of the, obviously that's because of sin. So like that, that, that dynamic exists because of sin. I know that. And I think that part of the way that the Holy Spirit will work through churches filled with sinful people run by sinful people is that there needs to be some sort of understanding from the pastor that that sort of pressure is there. um, That, that sort of pressure is there not to remind yeah, I don't know if you'll agree with this. Not not to remind you of how important you are to the ministry, but to remind you of how important Christ is to the ministry in that yep. sense. And you will agree with that. But yeah. in the sense that if this thing falls apart, it's not the end of Christianity. It's also Amen. not it's not yes. the end of these people's faith. It could just be another stepping stone. You know, I see a lot of people who totally build their faith on the basis of what one pastor says to them. And that's idolatry. That's not Christianity. You're not following Christ. And that, and so there's a, there's some sense to, I think sometimes God allows for that stuff to happen to a pastor to be like, Hey, congregation, wake up. You're following Jesus, not this guy. And in America, I think we get so caught up and we got our one we got our guy we got yeah, our pastor yeah and, i agree with that and then and, and then the pastor is like oh my goodness if i fall this whole thing falls apart well yeah if you've raised up a bunch of shallow christians who think that you are christianity and you're the yeah. purpose for this thing then it is going to fall apart yeah which will be probably good for the, the church yeah it, it is i probably overstated that it is it is true that a pastor falls the organization may fall apart the people yeah, of genuine yeah, faith, yeah. they they should not lose their faith. Right. Some of the people who do lose their faith maybe weren't maybe saved to begin saved, with. Right. But in any case, the the main thing I think, according to your original question, is that when you feel all the pressure, the buck stops with me. If I go down, this whole movement goes down. You will justify any sort of sin, and you will believe with all your heart. It is not that big of a deal compared to the bad of mm-hmm. things going bad. You make yourself uh, kind of a a central corner piece of God's plan for this particular church. Yeah, that, you, that, you you feel indispensable. Yeah. And in some ways, you, yeah, yeah, you may be indispensable to what's happening today. Yeah, right. So I think that the only way to stay sane is you have to just commit to aggressively leaning on not even leaning aggressively being like how am i doing mm-hmm. you to you, yourself well no to no, other people yeah you finish a meeting and you feel like you were a little abrasive so you ask the people afterward how did that come off mm-hmm. how did that feel like the power like pastors generally fall from money sex and power mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. So when it comes to power, you talk to your people, Mm -hmm. you talk to your board. Right now, our board is going through a process of just getting lunch, um, dinners and get togethers with the staff reporting to me. Mm. So they're not talking like how performance things because they don't report to the board. They do report to me as their boss. Mm -hmm. But their board is essentially saying, what's the culture like? Mm -hmm. How is Vince doing? Do you like working here? What are the things that that? you see that we can't see so the board can hold me accountable yeah and that's an like you got to decide to do that sort of thing day one Mm -hmm. you got to be like proactively when it comes to money Mm -hmm. you got to have 
um, people looking at the numbers. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're the one controlling the books, you got to have not yeah. not that system anymore. Right. Yeah. Like when yeah. it comes to sexuality stuff, you yeah. got to decide on the front end. Mm -hmm. Me and my spouse are going to talk about every single female staff member I work with mm -hmm. and talk about our comfort level with the way they interact with the opposite mm -hmm. sex. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You have to aggressively put systems in place yeah. of people speaking into who you are as a person that will call out that sort of thing. You can't just have a, just trust me type of attitude. A hundred percent. Cause yeah, you can't trust you. Yeah, yeah. You know that what comes I mean? from a good theology of nature, the nature of man. Yes. Yeah, you're not. I mean, you're not the guy who can't sin. You're the guy who probably has most capacity. I mean, if you sin, it affects people in an incredible, a lot of people in an incredibly negative way. Your sin is almost like 10x or something like that. Yeah. It's just like or a hundred x. It's it's bad. If you sin, it's bad. Yeah. And that pressure is good. It also can be completely demoralizing and draining. And there's some sort of balance with right. Yeah. I don't know how you gauge yep. that, but the yeah, that that's good. That you kind of have to set up. It seems to me like the pastors who haven't had major problems the the pastors that we know of like john piper yep. i know timothy keller haven't hasn't had major problem before he died um chandler hadn't had a hasn't had a major issue like moral when well, i mean he's even a great uh, example he just had that thing that happened yeah but that was that was, and it, some people think they overdid it i totally think and they maybe they did it. yeah but, but it's good to have those things in place there were right. systems yeah. in place yeah, and they true. could deal with something they felt like was a problem uh -huh. before it became destroyed a, yep. the church and maybe it never would have but maybe it would play have that game yeah. maybe it right. would have maybe right. they shared they were trying to share enough information a healthy mm -hmm. amount without saying some of the potential red mm -hmm. flags down the field mm -hmm. whatever it is but i think that's a great example of like there were all these systems the board understood mm -hmm. we are not here to rubber stamp things like we're here to make sure this person is healthy um and i can only imagine a good bit of those systems Matt set up himself. Mm -hmm. I no, can only imagine he was driving yeah. a lot of that I mean, protection. I, and I know about Piper. And, and some people don't like Piper. I don't know why, but I know that he, you know, he writes all these books and makes a lot of money off these books. Well, he's actually just capped. He caps his income and all that extra money goes to different ministries. That's he doesn't cool. even touch it. So like, yep. and he has yep. to get approval from like, a ton of people within desiring God organization wow. stuff to, to be able to, yeah. to raise that, that uh salary up like he has to get so if he wants to get you know if he wants to raise a salary five ten thousand dollars he has to get approval from like a bunch of people and i think that that when i hear stuff like that i'm like that that's reassuring you know that these guys you know the billy Graham billy graham rule there was a billy graham rule for right. a reason people think that it's some sexist yes. thing and it's like yeah is it sexist or have we seen a bunch of pastors not do the Billy Graham rule right. and see what happens with oh these my people? Gosh. So, yes. you know, which one is it, you know? And I think that's an important thing that the guardrails is interesting. It's important. And it's yeah. also like, that means that you have to put trust into people and trust that they're telling you the truth. And that's a yeah. difficult thing too. Yes. You need the guardrails. Mm -hmm. You need people who are willing to speak in your life, but you need even more than just people willing to speak in. You have to have systems in place to intentionally Mm -hmm. open the door to all mm -hmm. these different areas mm -hmm. so that they can speak into them. Yeah. 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 Totally. Um, okay. I, I mean, 
Is there other thing? I have one final question. Yeah, go ahead. Those are all my um, answers to that one question. If we were still thinking about that other one, yeah. Yep. So I do. This is kind of my my final question, which is an open ended, maybe meant to be encouraging, maybe meant to be discouraging, de- yeah. depending on who's listening and what they think they're going to do with their <laughs> life. But, um, I would you know ultimately when you look at what it means to be a pastor and. Uh, what it means to have a desire to feel called to be into uh, to be a pastor. Yeah. What would you say being a pastor is? You know, quote unquote, what it's all about. Yeah, that's good. Uh, that's good. Are we, for the sake of this conversation, are we maybe assuming that sort of apostolic person? We're still putting in that same category. Like, what are the common? Yeah. What are the things that are common between all the different ways being the leader? Like being the leader mm. of a smaller church versus the leader of a bigger church, what's like the common thing amongst let's, all let's of Let's answer this t- twice then, Great. because I, I don't know if I want to do it that way. Yeah, totally. What fine. I want to do is say, when you think of the word pastor and yeah. the responsibilities that come with that word and that title, what do you think of? And then, man, then we can do another question that says, when you think of the word pastor as it's meant in modern American ch- church culture, yeah, that kind of bigger leadership role. That you know, the apostolic thing. Maybe we can we can define these two different ways, but let's start with when you think of the word pastor in that title. What exactly? What is that all about? Yeah, when I think of the word pastor, and for the person going, <clears throat> what is it really all about to be a pastor according to that biblical definition? I think of the guy who led me to the Lord. Hmm. His name was Ted. I still am friends with him to this day. And I came to him broken. Mm -hmm. I mean, in every way, mentally, struggles with sin, identity, all sorts of things. And he walked with me with Jesus and just taught me how to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. I mean, in terms of how to pray, how to read the Bible, how to hear from God. Um, he spoke life into me, he spoke identity into me, and he kicked my butt. Also, he was very intense with me multiple times, pushing me to do things that I knew God wanted me to do, and he knew God wanted me to do, but I did not want to do at all. He pastored me. He was my pastor. Um he walked me through trial and temptation and tragedy. And I think that's what pastoring is at the end of the day all about. And I know that he probably found some meaning in doing that, but I know he gave way more than he received Mm -hmm. in that relationship. Mm -hmm. I got way more out of him than I could ever give back to him. And I think he was glad that I did well, but I know that he sacrificed time and mental energy to be that person in my, in my life. Mm-hmm. I think that's what, I think that's what pastoring is. It's you're sacrificing whatever it is for somebody else's spiritual growth and spiritual maturity. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think, you're kind of making like a public declaration that while we're all called to give more than we receive, you know, in certain yeah, ways as yeah. Christians, you're kind of saying, I'm going to do it first. And then you guys are going to follow me. And yeah. they're like, you're, I'm going to do this thing. 
as loudly and as forthright as I possibly can as quote, as a pastor that that's, that's who yeah. I am, but I'm doing this so you can do it too. That's kind Amen. of what you're saying. Yeah. 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 And I would even say that some of the training people to do ministry, like if you think he gave the apostles, the pastors, the prophets, yeah. like he gave all these specialists mm -hmm to train the Christians so that Christians in some ways could be generalists. Yeah. So they could be a little exactly. bit of all of it. Right. Right. So I think a pastor mainly trains people to pastor mm -hmm. according to the biblical word pastor. Mm -hmm. And I think in general, a Christian's going to learn to be an evangelist more from an evangelist mm -hmm. than from a pastor, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. It seems like though that like, you know, I know different pastors are going to have different bents. You know, you'll have some pastors who are, saying i want to teach people the truth of the bible i want them to know the bible and then you you know you sound like you're your pastor who obviously cares about the bible but your your bent is toward an evangelistic focus you know for where, my particular role it just seems like that from what you just said like and that's not, i don't think there's anything wrong with that I, it just <laughs> as you were talking about uh the guy that pastored you yeah he was not just walking with you as a christian it sounds like he was walking with you before you were a christian it was like right up, or right around right, the same time i got saved when you got saved yeah. okay so maybe yeah, he, yeah that was he pastor. really no he really did past i think i was saved yeah. and then met him like okay. a day after i say he led me to the lord that's probably not the most accurate word sure. but it's basically yeah no that makes sense but yeah yeah for, for me personally for my role when i am quote unquote pastoring I see it the exact same way, whether it's a person from the church or someone on the staff, I try to click into that mode of pastor, yeah. not evangelist, not anything right. else. Right. For my role in this body, mm -hmm. I see myself more in that apostolic role mm -hmm. where I'm trying to Set build vision. Yeah, yeah. A vision. You're mm -hmm. building the structure and the teams yeah. and the people mm -hmm. And that is my main role when it comes to the body at large and teacher, really. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, it's, it's more Sunday. apostle and teacher. Right. Most of my job is apostolic and teaching. Mm -hmm. But if you want to know what do I think pastoring is all about, mm -hmm. which again, I would say isn't most of my job. Mm -hmm. I'm getting too far off the mic. But I'm like, way out. Yeah, yeah probably yeah. no or any of that. Yeah. If I think about my job, most of it isn't doing the actual spiritual gift of pastoring sure yeah yeah one of the the thing the words that's been like i've been trying to focus on in the last six months that i've never attached to christianity until i read the puritans was the, the word affections mm. i i think that that's kind of been lost in modern christian lingo that yeah. we talk about like turning our hearts towards god and yep. I, I get that that's similar but yep. the you know turning our affections towards Christ yeah. is much more intimate and much more. Um, you can turn your heart towards God, and you know I'm just gonna like listen to Him and kind of yeah. have it be at a distance. But turning your affections towards God seems to be mm. like a I'm gonna move into this in a in a romantic, uh, intimate type of way. Emotional That's gonna, way. emotionally, yeah. romantic, relationally intimate type of way. It's gonna feel way too open you know what I, like yep. like there's something about the affections you know turning your affections towards christ um and yeah i i think maybe to add to your definition of pastor pastoring that i think has been really helpful in reading uh guys like j.i packer who talk a lot about this mm -hmm. stuff is your your hearts like your affections and your heart's affections and desires should be 
pointed towards Christ. That's what, yeah. that, and that's what being a pastor. It kind of seems like it's all about in in that you're trying to get people's affections to turn toward G, towards Jesus. That yeah. they're they're not only just going to listen to him and do the things that he tells them to do, but yeah. they're gonna they're gonna listen and do these things because their affections they they have affection they're affectionate towards Christ and they want so badly to be doing what Christ wants them to do and listening mm-hmm. to what he wants to listen to it's not just like a, a you know not just methodical but it's it's a you know it's like a dance or it's like romantic yeah. in that way which is really yeah. uncomfortable and i think a lot of yeah. people would feel like that's a little bit weird yeah but this is like you're talking about god like i like you know yeah. you're turning your affections towards the, the one being that exists that isn't actually going to just obliterate them you know yeah. every other time you turn your affections whether it's your husband your wife whatever you get hurt every time so like you want to do it without getting hurt and like do it with god you know right. and it's most intimidating i think because it's so perfect that it's like <laughs> we don't i don't think i think most christians probably don't even feel like they add up and so yeah. i don't think i should turn my affections towards God because I'm going to ruin it. And that, yeah. the, the reality is you, you will ruin it several times, but it, it, God's not going to like turn his away from you. And so, yeah, amen. yeah I don't know. That's kind of what I think about pastoring too, that it seems to be a very, when I recognize what the affections are and what it means to turn your affections towards Christ, or at least to try to attempt that, I was like, I do feel like I, my whole life I've been cheated by pastors in certain mm. ways. Cause it felt like pastors were more focused on, Say the right things, do the right things. Mm. And I get, I get, you know, sometimes you have to change your behaviors before your affections change. There's, there's a certain aspect to, I'm going to do the right thing until my heart feels it. And that's, that's, yeah, you have to do that. But when you're really trying to like, I don't know. I'm tr- I'm, s- I'm trying not to sound cringy with all because all these la- the, like pour your heart out to God just yeah. like, cringy lang- language. But you have to do that. You like have yeah. to do that, and then your your whole attitude will start to change. And that's just a uh, to be a good pastor. I think you got to get your congregation to do that. Yeah, I love I that, man. So we'll see. We'll see if people want to do that. It's like yeah. tedious work. You yeah. Know? Because they take one step forward and probably fifty steps backwards, right. and you're like, yeah. we made a little progress, but. You're doing terrible again. So, yeah. you know, how do we deal with that? You know? No, I think that's right on, man. I think, I think that's was, was uh, very profound. And um, as you were talking about like the, the romantic, like dance thing, I just kept thinking like, yeah, there's some, there's gotta be some reason why like we're described as the bride yeah. of Christ. Right. right. Like it's right there. Yeah. This yeah. is, this is kind of the, in Western society, that's the part of Christianity that a lot of us want to get rid of yeah. is, is the, the romance within it that we, we yeah. love the reasoning through things, the understanding and all of the things that we can kind of nice, the doctrine is mm-hmm. very nice, but we don't like the things that are going to make us feel outside of kind of the boxes and structures that we've set yeah. up in our life. And that's why a lot of, I think, hyper rationalistic people, who maybe are like highly, highly reformed, like two reformed people, they kind of just say they make up their (laughs) theologies around the Holy Spirit and say, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, speaking in tongues has ceased and all that stuff Mm -hmm. is gone. I don't think it's because they have a good theology of it. I just think it's because they feel uncomfortable with the Mm -hmm. fact that they're going to have to like be open enough spiritually and emotionally to try to practice something that seems highly irrational. And that's just... You're just selling sure yourself for short. Some people. Yeah. yeah, I think it's for sure. It's true some, some people. Yeah, there's a lot of different yeah. situations. And I think it's also true. There's 
it, this is like another one of those pendulums, right? Because at yeah, one point it was, yeah. everything was like, oh, you just talk about Jesus like he's your boyfriend. Yeah, that's, yeah, I you hate know? that stuff. Oh, I don't want to sound, I can say, oh, now I'm thinking about how I just probably sounded totally like that. No, but not... I mean, I think it's it's all of it. Yeah, it's you know? everything. It's all yep. of it. Yep. Yeah, it's the truth. It's the doctrine. Mm-hmm. It's the conviction of yeah. sin. It's the fear of God. The fear of God, yeah. It's the reality of heaven and hell, but mm-hmm. it's also being the bride of Christ, mm-hmm. like the intimacy of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I think it's right. it's all that stuff. If you want to have affections, you have to have doctrine. You yeah. can't not do that. So yeah. you have to have that. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that was an hour and 30-some minutes. Do you feel like we covered what we need to cover? Should people become pastors? I th- Yes I or hope, no? <laughs> I hope we did. Yeah. We talked a lot about a lot of things. I think we for sure talked about that question. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, hopefully it gives people some things to process through and think, think about. about. Yeah. All right. Well, this was Vince Peary from the uh, the Bridge Church in Alexandria, Kentucky. Um, I don't know. If people want to hear more of your stuff, they can probably go to the website and yep. listen. You have sermons up and things like that. Yeah. That's uh, pretty much all the content is just um, the messages right now. We're, we're always mm-hmm. talking about starting a podcast. We haven't yet. Yeah. But, yeah, The Bridge nky.com for okay. northern kentucky the bridge nky.com <laughs> i wondered why there was an n on your i know it's very confusing this whole region uh is very adamant about calling themselves northern kentucky wow yeah a lot it's of a pride in northern kentucky yeah all right well thanks for doing this vince if you like this podcast make sure you like subscribe share this, share this with your friends give us a five-star rating leave a review and we'll see you guys in the next one thanks so much